Hello, ako si Jessica Villan. Kayo ay nakikinig sa bagong Rappler Podcast episode kung saan hihimayin natin ang mga mayinit at mahalagang isyu sa Pilipinas. Ito ang Rappler's Newsweek Beyond the Stories. Sa episode na to, pag-uusapan natin ang nakalipas na limang taon sa ilalim ng Pangulong Rodrigo Duterte at kung anong posibleng mangyari sa huling taon ng kanyang termino. Paano nagbago ang estilo ng kanyang pamumuno mula 2016? Ano ang mga isyong haharapin ng kanyang administrasyon sa mga huling buwan nito? Kasama ko ngayon si Rappler Executive Editor Glenda Gloria at Rappler Malacanang Reporter Pierre Nada para suriin ang pamamahala ni Duterte. Hi Miss Glenda and Pia, thank you for joining me today. Hi Judy. Hello Judith, thank you for having us. So Pia, how would you describe the fifth year of the Duterte administration? Ano yung mga main takeaways mo regarding the type of leadership Duterte showed in this health crisis and this pandemic? I think that for the most part, yung fifth year, we saw Duterte really relegating a lot of the aspects of the pandemic crisis to his alter egos, to his trusted confidants, to mga retired generals. And I guess makita dito talaga na admitted naman yan na hindi niya masyadong gamay yung ganitong kind of crisis. And for the most part, His leadership was really more of the performative kind of messaging. When we see him every week diba, doing his talk to the nation, talk to the people, that's when he's leading it. Because like people I talk to in the cabinet, they say that a lot of the main issuances, policies, hindi naman si Duterte yung nagsasign in it. He's relegating a lot of that to Executive Secretary Salvador Medeldea. A lot of the major policy decisions, they're just presented to him. And he basically makes... The decision in public, diba? you can see him saying yes to that, no to that. But actually, the substantial discussions take place without him. And for the most part, he is just performing the leadership. But the policies themselves are crafted by other people. So I think yun yung nakita talaga natin, especially when we see a year dominated by a crisis that Duterte is not an expert on. And in fact, doesn't know where to start addressing that particular crisis. Ano yung downside or disadvantage sa ganong leadership niya na nakita niya the past five years na very mga tao talaga siya na nire-relegate niya mga tas? Yung isang con nun is yung urong sulong. Kasi nangita mo, di ba, na because the substantial discussions take place without him and in fact some decisions are made without him knowing. Pag narinig niya yung decision na ginawa without him, minsan ayaw niya, he turns it back. Even if he hasn't really gotten like the full briefing, the full picture, he hasn't talked to, he doesn't know like exactly what went on in discussions. Isang effect nun is mukhang inconsistent or contradictory yung yung policies ng government. Like yung face shield, diba? Yung face shield policy, yung starting physical classes. Lahat yun dinidiscuss na below. But Duterte kasi is not fond of long meetings. He doesn't like, he cannot take uh, very long documents, very complicated meetings and Ayaw niya yun. Mas gusto niya pag nakalatag na lahat sa kanya in front of him, he's in front of the camera and he can show people that he's making the decisions. Doon siya magaling sa performance of it. But actually, like, sitting down and understanding all of the complicated aspects of it, trying to get multiple sides, hindi siya magaling doon. And so that's why we see a lot of times na biglang i-overturn niya yung isang decision ng kanyang alter ego ni Galvez or ni Duque. We can also see him on television na parang sounding like he's lost. He doesn't know na wala pa palang vaccines kasi ano pa, parang sinabi naman ni Galvez before pa na in, in the next few months pa or the fact that he actually signed a law that allows immunity from suit of these COVID-19 vaccine manufacturers. So you can see talaga na a lot of times he's out of his death and it does 
make it look bad on his government when inconsistent, contradictory, pa, pa iba iba yung mga policies. It's very confusing and it's not the most assuring thing to see in the middle of a crisis. Miss Glenda, yung ganitong attitude or yung urong sulong yung mga dinescribe ni Pia just a couple of seconds ago, may mga ibang presidente pa in the past na ganito rin yung pinakita nila? Or Duterte is unique in this way po? Very unique. Very unique siya, Judes. In fact, kung ikukumpara mo lang siya sa immediate ano niya, no, predecessor, yung uh, the late Noy Noy Aquino, eh, oh, ano yan, study in contrast silang dalawa. Nabanggit nga ni Pia, walang pasensya sa detalye si Duterte, walang pasensya sa meetings, um, performance lang sa kanya. Uh, Pinoy, on the other hand, had, you know, she can allot 10 hours sa isang cabinet meeting. She edits both uh, drafts and final copy all the way up to the podium. He was he would still tinker with his speeches, di ba? So, ano siya? Kakaiba because diretso siya eh. From mayor to president. Siya rin din lang naman yung dumiretso. Hindi nag-national. Erop is a former mayor. But Erop became a senator, he became a vice president, so he was given the perspective of a national bureaucracy. He was given the lay of the land in terms of navigating both the national policy and local policies that probably would collide with what national demands or requires. Uh, Duterte had no experience in that. Uh, Congress was basically, when he was a congressman, he was doing uh, the bidding for, for local uh, for his local constituents and for the local requirements of the job. Ms. Lenda, you mentioned kanina na yung attention to details, walang patience sa long meetings si President Duterte. Pagtitingin natin yung constitution, di ba, yung mga requirements, Presidente, wala namang ganun sa requirements. Pero bakit siya importante if you're leading the country? Kung ganun, ganun ka-level ng uh, pag-scrutinize ng mga detalye sa pag-govern, bakit siya importante? Well, I think to a certain extent, it is not required of the president to dive into all the details or, or the nitty-gritty of governance dahil, you know, he has his cabinet to do that for him. But in critical situations and on matters that need presidential attention, kailangan niya ng ganong detalye. Bakit? Unang-una nga, Kasi ultimately, he's the final decision maker. Diba? So, kung ano man yung pipirmahan niya or iya-announce niya, it impacts the entire country. And not only its citizens, but the processes that implement these policies. So, kung meron siyang na-miss at tingin niya, sabi nga ni Pia, hindi pala niya gusto. Pero dahil hindi niya nakita yung the data or information that supports that policy, eh sa kanya, very superficial lang yung knowledge niya at very instinctive yung pag-ayaw niya dyan, malabo yon kasi then it cascades. So si President Duterte, napaka-ano eh, whimsical eh. You know, it has something to do with age then, I guess, di ba? Dahil he believes that he is experienced enough. He has long years uh, governing Davao and ruling an urban city for that matter. Pero yun ang mga detalye na kailangan sa isang presidente dahil nationwide ang impact. Hindi lang nationwide, it can be regional. It can also impact your foreign relations, di ba? Mm-hmm. West Philippine Sea. Pia, we know na yung coronavirus times, extraordinary times to. Hindi tayo yung nag adjust Dapat yung coronavirus ang mag adjust sa atin. Tayo yung nag adjust Tayo yung nag abide sa mga guidelines, sa mga community quarantine rules. 
Pero bakit yung leadership style ni Presidente Duterte, hindi siya nag-adjust sa kung anong hinihingi ng panahon ngayon? Ano yung nakikita mong reasoning or rational? Because he's convinced that he knows what he's doing. I mean, kasi palagi sinasabi niya, I've never lost an election. He always wins in all electoral contests. And para sa kanya, gumagana naman yung kanyang governance style kasi palagi naman siya nanalo. And he's still popular. So para sa kanya, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And so he actually thinks that his consistency, the fact that he is stubborn and doesn't change and will stick to his guns for him, yun yung kanyang winning strategy. So hmm. if iiba siya ng personality or he'll walk back on his promise or he'll appear flighty, parang feel niya na he might lose his constituency and he hmm. might lose his appeal to his mass base. Kaya for him, he has to double down on his governance style. For him, it's working for him so far. So why do you need to change gears all of a sudden? Hmm. And it's working for him naman. I assume someone or somebody's telling him na baka mali yung estilo mo ng leadership sa pandemic ngayon. Hindi pa nag, nakaabot sa kanya yung ganun. Walang nagpipenetrate sa thinking niya na baka tama yung sinasabi ng kunyan may advisor siya nagsabi sa kanya na pwedeng baguhin natin to. Walang ganun. For sure, alam niya yung criticisms kasi nagbabasa naman siya ng mga columns and he talks about them. He constantly talks about the criticisms against him. But for him, he will say that it's all politicized kasi malapit na yung 2022. And yeah, he will just dismiss it as political talk, political uh-huh. riffraff. And also, naman, it's not like he doesn't change gears. I mean, there are times when he does yung napapa, iba siya ng strategy. Because, for example, nung time na yung medical frontliners were calling a timeout, diba? he grudgingly reverted Metro Manila to MECQ. And he admitted that it's because of the public outcry and the public support around the medical frontliners. Because there are situations na Duterte realizes also that it's more it's politically expedient to go with the flow, go with the tide, yung, yung public outcry. Uh, yun din yung genius Duterte sa mote, na flexible rin siya. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike Pinoy, for example, who talagang Hindi, uh, I will not show empathy because if I do, parang it will get in the way of my job. See, Duterte, if the public reaction is at a certain point that he thinks he cannot ignore this anymore, he will change gears. And that's part of his strategy, Rena. Alam niya at certain times when to move, when to adjust, when to give in a bit. But always with a performance twist na he's making it na parang, ayan na, I'm already giving in, nakikinig ako sa expert. So parang palaging tinitwist din yan to benefit him na we have a president who listens, we have a president who talks to experts and uh, values opinion of others, ganyan-ganyan. Pia and Ms. Lenda, siguro anyone can start answering this. Paano nag-evolve o nagbago ang Duterte style of leadership over the past five years, for better or for worse, compared to when he was still Davao City Mayor? Alam mo, I asked that to his cabinet members, former and present, and they all say, he hasn't changed. Wala. We're <laughs> very proud of that. Agreed. Yeah, na parang, isa pa rin yan. It's, just, it's the same guy, same mayor, he's still the mayor. So, yeah, and I think that we, I see that also. Siguro the main change lang would be he's had to a bit of adjustment in terms of foreign policy. Like, you will see him more often reading a prepared statement during a foreign foreign event. Kasi before, may times na he would go off tangent eh. Pero ngayon, parang it seems he's more willing to read from the script if it's a, 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 yun, a foreign event. So parang masigiging, in a way, more statesman siya, statesman-like. Maybe someone in the DFA is convincing him that, you know, you do it for the country, just just read the statement, Mr. President. 
Miss Linda, diba usually you, you grow into the job. I mean, you know, sometimes the job makes you a better person, diba? Si Duterte, ano eh, binago niya yung job. We <laughs> need to say, he was the outsider, parang, who was determined to change the presidency. In many ways, diba? He, he, he came from the province, He's, he was a mayor, he, he felt and he feels that he has the pulse of the people and that all these elite candidates and elite politicians, walang pulso sa masa yan. Ako, alam na alam ko kung anong gusto ng, ng Pilipino. And I think that's why parang he changed the nature of the presidency, that in behavior of the presidency, the conduct of his staff. And so, siguro ganun. Hindi siyang nag-evolve. Ang nag-evolve yung office of the president. Yes. Miss Nana, hindi ba parang mas opportunity yan? Kasi in the past, laging nag-criticism sa presidency na masyadong elite, masyadong nasa up there, masyadong detached sa mga tao kadalasan. Hindi ba mas opportunity for him to actually change the presidency for the better? Kasi nakita natin ngayon ay parang medyo unpresidential-like, sinasabi nila. Definitely, it's a missed opportunity. Can you imagine, he to this day, nandyan yung political base niya, which means people have, you know, don't mind kung ano man yung ginagawa niya. On the other hand, if you're a very popular president, going into your last year of your term, then yung huge political capital, ano yan, nag-stretch hanggang five years, that's amazing. It's an amazing political capital. You could do a lot with that. You could, in fact, introduce unpopular economic policies and you could pace them. You know, the president closest to mine would be like someone like Erap, diba? But ang pagkakaiba na distinct ni Erap tsaka ni President Duterte, si Erap kasi listened to his cabinet. Eh. Mm-hmm. And he knew what he did not know. Mm-hmm. And malaki yun. Iksabihin, minsan hindi niya pinapairal yung ego niya doon. Alam niya na, halimbawa sa economy, eto yung finance secretary ko, eto yung NEDA, makikinig ako dito. Pag humarap siya sa mga diplomatic events or activities, meron siyang kodigo. Hindi siya nahihiya. Meron siyang script. Kasi alam niya, hindi niya expertise yun eh. May script siya, artista siya. Memorize niya yun. But he used his strength precisely to perform pero performance na may script performance na nag-aaral so yun yung problematic lang dito sa presidency yes pia gusto naman tingnan natin yung mga promises ni presidente Duterte during his campaign ang dami-dami noon eh di ba meron siyang parang 10 point rule na i think na publish pa sa mga diaryo ng across the country kamusta na so far yung mga promises na to i know marami hindi na fulfill pero tingin mo, which work can he still finish? What promises can he still fulfill given that he has only less than a year left na? Well, definitely, yung isang pinaka-painful na promise broken was the federalism promise. And we know that PDP Laban was, at least the Pimentels were really hoping that Duterte would champion it. But that fell, that went nowhere. Siguro yung mga kanyang gustong tapusin na lang would be his promise of the drug war because Duterte admits na he's nowhere near ano pa naman, like totally suppressing drugs and criminality. Corruption, he admits is still a big problem. Although for him, his biggest accomplishment daw is he, quote-unquote, destroyed the oligarchy in the Philippines. So yeah, I'm very, very proud siya doon. Other things that he will be focusing on in his last year would be the pandemic pa rin. It will definitely hound him kasi 
ano pa yan eh, parang race to herd immunity pa. I mean, his popularity will also, in a way, depend on how well he can shepherd the country out of the pandemic, di ba? So, kasi mm-hmm. pwedeng gamitin pa rin yun ng kanyang opponents during the campaign if, let's say, like, hindi niya magawang ma-vaccinate lahat ng Pilipino, di ba? So, yes. yun, yun yung for me, yung mga ma- major niyang kailangan pang gawin. And of course, the his crackdown on the leftists, his determination that yung NPA rebels will be made into a force that's too weak to put up any resistance to government. Yung war on drugs, parang malaking parte yun kung bakit siya par- nanalo, di ba? Uh, yun yung para flagship project ng administrasyon niya. Mm-hmm. What's to say about him if hindi niya to na-fulfill or hanggang ngayon hindi pa niya na-fulfill? Well, actually, if you talk to people in the communities where you know, these drug raids happen, the, the poorer communities, you will hear people say that they felt the drug war. So even if on paper, sabihin natin, so-and-so barangays are still not completely drug-free, on the ground, people don't really think of the numbers, but they think of their anecdotal experiences. Eh? Like, ah, yung drug addict sa kanto, tahimik na. So mm-hmm. it, it really depends on how you measure success. Maybe for us, we're looking at the statistics. But maybe for other people, like the ones who believe in him, who think he's a good president, they still think that because at the end of the day, nakita talaga nila yung mga basketball courts of diba, drug surrenderies. People I talk to say that they're very surprised to see na napaka-meek na bigla daw ng mga siga dati sa, sa barangay nila. Parang sobrang impressed sila na dumili niya sila dun sa barangay hall and parang they really felt that their communities became more quiet and more orderly. So even if we can say that the drug war wasn't completely successful, people felt it. And in many ways, that's actually more important. Miss Glenda, we know yung promises na unfulfilled. Hindi siya bago sa kahit anong administrasyon. Maraming presidente in the past na hindi rin natupad yung mga pinangako nila nung kampanya. Tingin nyo, ano yung nag-set apart sa administrasyon na to, given yung mga na-mention ni Pia na hindi pa natutupad or gusto pang matupad in the past ilang months na lang ng administrasyon na to? Well, his supporters don't mind, mm. Judes. Kung hindi na-fulfill yung promise niya, they don't mind. They still support him. So people don't mind that he has not fulfilled all the promises. And yun yung siguro pagkakaiba din niya sa mga ibang naging presidente natin. Sabi nga ni Pia, di ba, master siya in politics. And so, maski meron siyang unfulfilled campaign promise, ginabalikan din naman niya sa ibang bagay eh. So, magaling din siya mag-create ng bagong problema na kung saan ma-divert mo yung attention o may bagong problema. Pero yung problema na to, kagaya ng mga NPA, hindi ko gagagawan yan. Diba? Parang ang perception, uh, gawa ng kaliwayan. So, rise na naman siya. Itong mga dilawan, ganun. So, ano siya? It's theater. So, enwrap yung, yung supporters and the base is still there. Will this change the game moving forward beyond this administration? Magiging ganun na tingin nyo yung kalaharan pagating sa mga campaign promises, promises during the presidency? Well, sabi ni Ana Tabunda of Pulse Asia that uh, given the sustained popularity of Duterte, she thinks that whoever will win in 2022 will definitely still have to retain certain personality traits of Duterte, like the fact that he is perceived as non-elite or outside Imperial Manila, or parang beyond the, parang untouched supposedly by the oligarchy. Parang feel niya na Filipinos would still go for that kind of candidate, and also someone who is not super opposition, because as we saw in previous elections, about 2019, 
didn't do well. And that kind of sentiment could persist, especially when we see that not, hindi naman nagbago rin yung ibang survey ratings of Duterte. And diba, parang VP Lenny is still hovering in the single-digit voter preference. So, yun yung mangyayari. Parang it will still be personality-based. Uh, we haven't we haven't eliminated that sad weakness of our political system where we vote our candidates based on personality. So more so, I think Duterte has proven more so that uh, the personality will really change the game in 2022. And then may takeaway sa past five years sa ilalim ni Duterte and medyo mahabang panahon para ang gugugulin natin para proseso lahat ng to, lahat ng experience natin, lahat ng na-witness natin. Pero bukod dito, gusto ko rin malaman kung ano naman yung mga mangyayari siguro sa mga susunod na buwan patungo sa pagbaba niya sa pwesto sa 2022 pagkatapos ng eleksyon. Pero bago natin itakal yon let's take a short break and listen to some rapper podcast overviews. The next time, huwag ninyo akong pariginigin ng revolusyon. Naku, Diyos ko. Yan ang mas delikado sa COVID. Eh kung mag-revolusyon kayo, you will give me the free ticket to stage a counter-revolution. How I wish you would do it. Don't understand what President Rodrigo Duterte is saying? Want to know the story behind his words? Listen to Seat of Power, Raptor's political podcast about the Duterte presidency. Hosted by me, P. Renada, Raptor's Malacanang beat reporter. Malino sa amin kung anong, anong terorista eh. You say that the DOJ has a very clear concept of what a terrorist is, but it was also the DOJ who filed the prescription case. Well, I would like to think that that, would, that is a real, you know, that's a real lesson. Is there a risk, though, that we will never know the state of his health ever again? We can end up that way, in the same way that uh, the Supreme Court has rendered several constitutional provisions inert. How hopeful are you that this Supreme Court, under this administration, will exhibit a proactive attitude towards protecting human rights? What is before us is a Supreme Court that has overwhelmingly, for a few exceptions, one or two, in favor or on the side of the state power. A law that is not understood is a law that is easy to weaponize. I am Lian Buan, Rappler's justice reporter. Listen to Law of the Tertaland podcast, and together with leading lawyers of the country, let's unpack the pressing legal issues and the Duterte government. Hi, welcome back to Newsbreak Beyond the Stories. I am Judas Cavillan, and we're here with Rapper Executive Editor Glenda Gloria at Rapper Malacanang Reporter Pia Renada. Pinag-uusapan namin ang huling taon ni Duterte bilang Presidente ng Pilipinas. Pia, entering Duterte's last year in office, what do you think ang issues that will continue to on the administration na tingin mo hindi nila ma-shake off, lalo na ngayong parating na election yung pwedeng i-bring up sa kanila ng kalaban nilang partido pagating na election Definitely yung pandemic. It's still a very unpredictable situation. So even if we can see now na medyo nag-roll out naman yung vaccines, diba? like many, many things could still happen. Itong holding of physical classes, like how are they going to do that? Big worry yan. Economic recovery, inflation, jobs. I mean, Marami pang pwede mangyari dyan. So, definitely, Duterte will owe his political career in many ways to Galvez and, you know, his IATF. Yeah. Isa pang possible issue would be the ICC investigation. If the ICC 
chamber decides to green light that investigation, then even if let's say, de ba parang so marami pa rin siyang supporters who don't believe in the drug war, the fact na magkaka arrest warrant, de ba? I think malaking hmm. deal rin yun sa mga Pilipino na may sense of hiya din na parang hmm. and you know like when OFWs they live in different countries, de ba? They will hear about this arrest warrant and Mayroon malaking deal yan, arrest warrant for a president. That's a big hmm. thing. So, in a way, I think that could definitely be used by any challenger to kind of hit on the weak points of Duterte, di ba? They could turn the tables on him na if Duterte was the underdog in 2016, di ba? Now, he, they can make him appear like the bully na porket presidente, makapangyarihan. Ito, parang binibully niya yung ibang candidates na just as capable of showing emotion and fighting for the masses as him. So, I think he's really ripe for a challenge. Eh, na marami naman tayong ibang politicians there who could successfully present themselves as not touched by the elite or beyond the elite. And Duterte is technically the elite now. So, diba, they can make an argument na he's using his power to dominate. So, isang weakness yun, I think. Those are the main issues na pwedeng gamitin sa election or pwede lang to... Even yung kanyang mga attacks sa media, ABS-CBN, I mean, I think those are still, people are still hurt from that. People still don't understand, di ba, why they can't watch ABS-CBN, their favorite shows on ABS-CBN. I think those are still very ripe issues for elections in his last year. I talked to several other reporters, say Lian specifically, regarding the impact of the killings, the violence, the blood that trails this administration, no? Hindi ba siya magiging election issue? Siguro, Walang ICC, walang movement from the ICC in the next couple of months, in the next 12 months. Do you think magiging issue pa rin siya about sa patayan lang, sa mga namatay ng mga drug addict allegedly, or yung mga activist na mga pinapatay? Compare mo sa kunyari sa pandemia or sa economic issues, na ba siya? Level ba siya or hindi? To a certain extent, siguro gagamitin yan ng mga aktivista sa campaign. And of course, the leftist political parties also will be joining the elections, di ba? Pero ang huwag natin kalimutan, Jodes, lakas din ng disinformation that countered that narrative na may EJK, di ba? Kasi ang katapat nun, ang tinatapat na counter-narrative sa extrajudicial killings is the left, eh. Yung ang NPA, masama. Ang NPA, nagre-recruit ng mga bata. At titignan mo sa Facebook, grabe yung fake news against political activists, active congressmen and congresswomen na nire-red tag. So yung red tagging, Meron din constituency yon And palagay ko, yun yung daloy din later on na na-anticipate nila na EJK can be used as a campaign issue against Duterte. So mag-field sila ng mga kandidato na mag-red tag din. So it's mm-hmm. gonna be messy. You know? Messy. Pia, you mentioned kanina na malaking issue yung ekonomiya natin, no? yung mga pagtaas ng presyo. Hindi lang siya ginagamit ng mga kalaban niya. Pati yung mga people on the ground, marami na rin na nagsabi na ang hirap na ng buhay, ang taas na ng mabilihin. Do you think Duterte is bothered by these issues? Galito mga binabato sa kanya. And can you remind me, I know you mentioned this to me in the past previous podcast, paano ba nakadating sa kanya yung mga information or feedback? Definitely bothered siya by the economic fallout from the pandemic. I mean, we've heard him say in speeches na he's ready to give up, nanduluhan na siya sa problema, especially when he had to announce the new lockdown Uh, diba, a couple of months ago sa Metro Manila, talagang parang he appeared to be at his wit's end. Uh-huh. And so, alam niyo yun, alam niyo talaga na mahirap. How does information reach him? He gets briefers every day. 
and he reads them, maybe not right away, but he ends up reading them. Another main source of information, yung kanyang public addresses, yung kanyang talk to the people. Kasi actually, sinasabay yung kanyang speech dun sa presentation ng mga IATF members. And there are a few times, nag-invite si Sonny Dominguez or si Carl Shua, especially when yung main issue is economic. So, pag nagkaka-lockdown, let's say like news about joblessness or poverty rising, yan, palaging... PR strategy rin yun eh. They're, they're gonna, or like for example, yung issue on corruption, yung PhilHealth, yung where are we getting the money to pay for vaccines. Nung tumutok yung headline na yan, the next day, ayan, si Sunny Dominguez nandun na sa IATF meeting to explain to Duterte, but also for Duterte to use Dominguez's quotes, di ba, as pambato sa kanyang mga critics na, oh, see, look at this, having ni Dominguez may, we're just getting a loan from World Bank and hindi naman pumupunta sa gobyerno yung pera and go straight to the vaccine manufacturer, etc. So, Definitely, yun yung may also the news. He watches the news incessantly. Parang Donald Trump. He loves to watch the news. That's his, uh, one of his main sources of information. Of course, Bongo is also another main source. Si Bongo will show him something on his cell phone, on his smartphone, on Mr. President. O may yurting na mo to, tong sinabi ni ganito ganyang critic. And then yun, the next day, you will hear Duterte parang talk about that, that headline or that columnist or that politician who made a comment. So yun. Yung mga Monday or weekly meetings na inaere, sino parang the brains behind that? Sino nakaisip na gawin nun na parang since okay, recorded naman siya, pero real-time pa rin yung batuhan nila ng mga information during those meetings eh. Do you think like ano siya, nagkataon na na inaere na or calculated move ito na para ipakita na Duterte works? It's a Duterte bongo creation kasi ano to, hindi na to bago actually. It's really just a reincarnation of the para sa masa gitan sa masa. Yung Davao days niya, diba? Every Sunday he would give a talk parang with a host na babae and they would like talk about the latest issues. So ito lang yun ulit. And in fact, you can even hear him referring to the meeting as ang programang ito. He will say, oh, salamat sa mga nanonood sa programang ito. Diba? That's the talk to the people meeting. He's talking about it like it's a, a show, mm-hmm. a talk show. And in a way, it really is a talk show. He is acting out and showing to everyone that he is in control and he's able to elicit all of these updates from these important officials. And gumagana siya kasi like yung ibang FGD participants sa Pulse Asia, according to Anna Tabunda, they think that those shows, it makes him daw seem industrious na, ah, si Presidente, nagtatrabaho late at night, he must be, <laughs> sobrang sipag naman niya na ganito ka late, nagtatrabaho pa rin. So, uh, definitely, it's part of a PR strategy, but also, it's really one of the few, it's a time in his schedule when he can sit down and listen to to his officials give a briefing. Yes. Miss Glenda, what makes Duterte's last year in office different from his predecessors? Mas maraming at stake ba this time around? Well, uh, maybe two things. Una talagang halos pinatay niya ang opposition, di ba? If you look again at previous presidents, under fifth year in office, ang lakas na ng opposition. That's the pattern post-Marcos. Except for Cory, people then wanted continuity. Of, of course, because that was a new democracy at that point. Pero after Ramos, ERAP, the antithesis of Ramos, di ba? The artista, wala, as compared to Ramos na napaka-deliberate, study in contrast. ERAP, pinalitan ni Arroyo, exact opposite. So, ibig sabihin, in previous presidencies, there was hunger for change each time. But you don't see that here based on the numbers that we're seeing, di ba? And based on the fact that he remains to command political power and actually use it 
pa rin in the same manner that he was able to use it on his first year of presidency. So I think that's a marked difference. It's a very weak opposition. There is no alternative to a Duterte at this point. Ha? Dati, marami nang makikita ka dyan, nakalatag na sinong kandidato. Pero ngayon, wala. And second, ito yung talagang na-embed yung climate of fear. It's in our subconscious. Yes. I think yun yung siguro pag-intindi ko sa atin. Hindi yung declared mo na takot ka, pero subconsciously, yung climate of fear ng limang taon, na mm-hmm. nakapagsara siya ng media, drug war, naka, it cost thousands of lives. Kung ayaw kanyang negosyante, pwede kanyang pahirapan. Hindi natin naranasan ng ganyang extent in previous presidencies after Marcos. And do you think na mag-spill over itong mga naranasan natin the past five years, the last year, sa election season? I don't think we are going to wake up one day and be ruled by a different regime, di ba? A completely opposite regime. Eh, sabi nga ni Pia, hindi ganun. Mukhang may transition tayo na pagdadaanan. Mga botante, siguro maghahanap pa rin ng kahit papano, a remnant of this. But on the other hand, who knows? Again, the Filipino voter is also full of surprises and you don't know the kind of context that will play out in the coming months. Pero... Mm-hmm. Parang ang hirap sa laki ng damage na nangyari nung five years. Ang hirap na imagine mo na on July 1, mm-hmm. 2022, parang bago ang mundo mo. Parang ano yon medyo wishful thinking yon <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, again, but you know, I wish to be proven wrong. Yeah. Pia, last election natin, 2019, we knew what happened then. Ha? Walang nananang opposition. And if I remember, parang vague na recollection ko kung ano yung election na nangyari noon. Pero all over the place si Duterte pagdating sa 2019 election. Are we going to see the same thing for the 2022 election? Or are you feeling na may solid siya sa isang slate? How do you think yung power ni Duterte mag-manifest in the election season? Well, you know, some people close to him I talked to said they're floating this scenario daw na Duterte daw might endorse a candidate but secretly will be working towards the victory of his daughter, si Sara Duterte. So, earlier, may isang in-air na meeting sa Malacanang, Duterte and PTP Laban officers, where he endorsed Bongo as president. And very scripted yung, yung event after niyang in-endorse si Bongo. Bongo went, I don't intend to run for president. Consider me the last choice, which is what Duterte said in June 2015, almost mm-hmm. the exact same line. And then after that, you hear... PDP Laban officers one by one vouching for Bongo, Naakuya Bongo, very loyal kay Presidente, parang fitting to be President. So I think totoo yung sinasabi niya kanina na he's, he's worried that if he runs for VP and the President who wins is not his ally, he will be isolated in the same way that he isolated Robredo during his presidency. So oh. I think he is set on running for VP and that means that he will really work doubly hard to make sure that yung presidente ay alay niya. And mm-hmm. I think also that a lot of that rests on Sarah because alam naman ni Duterte, he's seen the, the survey ratings that Sarah is definitely besting Bongo. I mean, si Bongo, single digits pa yung voter preference niya. And then si Sarah is, what, 20, 27%. And then the other second place, far off, 11%, 12% sina Bongbong, sina Manny Pacquiao. So he will consider that, diba? Sinong pinaka-viable? And alam naman niya na If he's going to win as VP, if he wants to survive those six years, 
he wants to make sure that he will ensure yung president is his ally and he doesn't want to risk it by diba, dividing his the votes of his supporters. So maybe this year, because he will stand to lose from these elections, because in 2019, in power naman siya eh. Whoever hmm. wins yung Senate elections, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, of course, it's important, but uh, ano, presidente pa din siya. Pero in these elections, he's got more skin in the game eh, if he's going to run for VP and hmm. he he will definitely have to be more involved. And so I think we will see a more concerted effort on his part to hmm. uh, ensure his president will win. Mas matimbang pa rin ba sa kanya, yung anak niya, than Bongo, pagdating sa presidential race? Parang mas keen siya towards supporting Sarah as opposed to like to his assist, long-time assistant si Bongo. Well, I think the numbers will convince him eh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You understand, there's only one interest at play for Duterte is to lock the six years to protect himself mm-hmm. and to protect his family. And wala namang... Ano yan eh, when you're in power, you've been in power for five years and you've been successful in being in power. Wala kang ibang titignan dyan. Unang-una, meron kang self-confidence and probably even hubris. You'll think you, you can get away with it. You can run for VP. Ang handwriting on the wall, may ICC. Kakasuhan ka pagkatas. Anong interest mo? Manalo. Mm-hmm. So dalawa lang ang kandidato niya na trusted niya. Si Sara or si Bongo, eh sino bang pwedeng manalo sa kanilang dalawa? Diba? So, of course, may flino float nga, as mentioned by Pia, na oh, pwedeng may isang third candidate na pwede niyang i-endorse. But, you know, if you're President Duterte, you think you can, di ba? I-de-devolve mo pa ba yun? Eh may kandidato ka na mataas sa survey. Why risk it? Of course, The other point is, will Sarah, you know, but even for Sarah, maski ayaw niya, eh, wala, yun ang handwriting on the wall, eh. Wala silang choice kundi tumakbo. Mm. Mm. Yung, kasi yung sabi ng, yun, yung mga taong may ganyang thinking is, si Bongo daw yung fake candidate ni Duterte. And, well, they're saying that because Bongo is a loyal... Kawawa naman siya. <laughs> oh, magpapagamit siya. Or at the very least, he'll get you know some sort of clout for it to to run in the the next next election. So, ako I think that exciting talaga yung magigmayay sa 2022. I mean, Manny Pacquiao, Isko Moreno, they're all also lining up. Like you know, like I also wrote a story earlier about how five national parties are seeking an alliance with Sarah's HNP. So. And it's a waiting game, really, because si Sarah naman, she's really not made up her mind. I, I have this feeling that again, na hindi pa siya ganon ka convinced, and so she'll be talking down to her political allies in the next weeks, because may deadline siya na by the end of the month she has to daw tell HNP ko ano yung kanyang decision. Mm-hmm. So definitely, I think this August will see more firmed up decisions. Yeah. So next part ng tanong ko, ito yung favorite ko lagi sa mga episode ko kasi I ask my guests to imagine to top their pessimistic side and optimistic side po. Pia and Ms. Glenda, siguro first question ko sa dalawa na to, what are the things that you are waiting for or hope to happen during the last year of the Duterte administration? And then the second part is, ano yung tingin niyo mangyayari? Do you think this is still going to happen? Pia? Alam mo, I'm hopeful that the pandemic will change priorities of voters. Kasi sabihin na natin, we still want a larger-than-life, parang empathetic personality or persona or like a father figure or basta parang someone who has a likable personality, oh, very charismatic. 
fine, like we will still need that. But I'm hoping that Filipinos will see na to prepare for this pandemic being a long-haul problem, na sana naman, isang second consideration would be yung competence. Kasi mm-hmm. I think we need a candidate to show na kaya naman yung charismatic and competent. So I really feel and hope that presented by this option, the Filipino voters will go for the charismatic and competent. So it's mm-hmm. up to our political parties to come up with that personality, with that person, diba, who will challenge, let's say, a candidate who is just riding on Duterte's charisma or connection to Duterte. Na, diba, parang, sana hindi lang sapat yon for them. Na they will be looking for more than just that now. So let's say hindi siya exactly the opposite of Duterte. Parang, okay, given na, if I, I resign myself to the fact that, yes, maybe we will get a pseudo-populist president pa rin. Sana naman na competent populist, if there's such a thing. Like someone who will who will be a good manager, who will be not so much a performer as someone who will really think through and find solutions and really logical and comprehensive solutions to our economy, to the pandemic, and to all the other problems we're facing as a democracy. Yes. Ako naman, pareho kami ng hope ni Pia. Ang na-visualize ko in my dreams <laughs> is pagdating ng election day, yung anim na taon na pagtitiis, yung anim na taon na parang pananahimik, mm-hmm. at kasama na rin siguro yung anim na taon na pagsasabi ng hindi yung katotohanan mo, na pag tinatanong ka, sumusuporta ka ba? Pero dahil sa takot, yun, on that day, they will vote for competence. And yes. ano ha, ang baba ng standards in a way, di ba? I mean, at some point in our my life, before, we wanted a president who had a great worldview, di ba? More sophisticated thinking in how to approach regional security issues. Pero in, hindi ito basic, kumbaga sa job description number one, eh, di ba? Competence. Oh. So, yes. ganun lang. Yun yung siguro hope ko na... After all is said and done, after all the disinformation, after all the successful campaigns of this populist regime, that we will vote for what we deserve to be a better government and a better society. But what will it take to do that, Kaya, Ms. Glenda? Do we need talaga a solid opposition? No. What it would take is to have a winnable candidate who is not Duterte, right? Mm, yes. Or who will provide a, a decent alternative to the incumbent. Kaya nag-aalangan ang mga tao ngayon, kaya ganyan din ang numbers, kaya ganyan din ang anecdotes. Wala pang, ano eh, nagpre-presenta sa kanila eh. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, panay-haka-haka. Ito, sinabi ko to nung, I think, January last year when we had the news break chats. You know, the presidency, you have to want it. You mm-hmm. cannot just, you know, pray to God and say, well, if it's fated, if God wants me to be president, I mean, let's let's stop tiring God, de ba? Kung gusto mong maging presidente at tingin mo, ikaw ang alternatibo at mapapabuti mo ang bayan, tumakbo ka, magdeklara ka, at manalo ka. Pero yes. dahil wala nga pang nakikita ang sambayanan, wala. Yes. For my last question, baka masyado rin slumbook question, pero Pia and Ms. Glenda, Going over the past five years of this admin, covering and following this presidency, ang dami natin pinagdaanan na, ang dami pinagdaanan ng Pilipinas sa sahol. Ano yung natutunan nyo or takeaway nyo from the way we function as a society, vis-a-vis what is happening now? 
kung may parang one takeaway kayo from what's happening. Depressing yung takeaway ko eh. Because <laughs> I'm the one, I'm always the one covering Duterte. So, yung allies niya, yung, you know, the way they suck up to him, to Bongo, parang he has everyone at the tip of his fingers eh. And yeah. ako as a Filipino, I feel really disappointed in our leaders and our politicians na ito na lang ba yun? Na just because popular siya, we'll bow down to him. And maybe it's just because I'm not exposed to inspiring opposition candidates or I don't cover them. I'm at the front lines of you know, this incumbency. So my view is a bit more bleak just because I see how all the checks and balance seem to fail in the face of popularity. Like, para siyang ano na lang, numbers game na lang yung democracy natin. And I'm really waiting to be inspired by political contender na diba, parang to show us that we're more than this. Yeah. Skanda? Ako rin depressing, Judith, kasi parang broken yung society, diba? Lalo na itong pandemya, kasi pangalawang taon na siya, parang ang bayan nalulunod. Tapos, uh-huh. ang kakakapit, diba? Ikaw ba'y kakapit na naman sa patalim? Parang ganun eh. So, on one hand, nakakalungkot, tapos kita mo, back in the day, I mean, pre-Duterte, may mga kont- institusyon pa na kumbaga may gatekeeping function, di ba? Yung institution na may media, may simbahan, there was a time, ang lakas ng NGO community mo. So, meron kang nag-hold din ng kahit papano compass. Uh-huh. Na may, maski halos malunod ka nung araw, may makikita ka na institusyon na malakas pa, pero parang nawala lahat eh, na-weekend lahat. So, Parang malungkot, pero yun yung takeaway ko. And it's not just because of Duterte. I think globally that's happening. The rise of populism, the rise of quick-fix solutions to intractable problems, di ba? So, yun ang pinagdadaanan ng mundo ngayon. Nakakalungkot. Yes. Sobrang daming kailangan iproseso pagdating ng 2022. Pero that's beside the fact. Sino man na sa may elections, We're going to collectively need some space for digesting or processing or even healing from kung ano nangyari sa atin as a nation. And then meron pa tayong isang taon pa, which is going to be an election season pa. So as you said, Ms. Lenda, magiging messy siya, magiging magulo. Pero thank you so much, Ms. Lenda and Pia, for joining me today and for helping us process yung past five years ni Duterte. And maybe next year, i-process din natin yung six years ni Duterte and look forward to what will happen in the next administration. Salamat, Judith. Salamat, Pia. Thank you, Judy and Ms. Glenda. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you would like to be updated on this and other issues, huwag kalimutan na i-follow ang Rapper Ren Newspace sa Facebook pati na rin sa Twitter. If you want to get access to exclusive content and events, join Rapper Plus. Plus is a community where we discuss and get deeper insights to the issues we face today. Pwede ka sumali by visiting rapper.com slash plus. Kung meron ka namang gusto na topic that you think we should discuss in our podcast, pwede ka mag-email sa investigative at rapper.com. Again, I am Judas Gavilan, and this is Newsbreak Beyond the Stories.